Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. (laughs) Have you been watching Tiger King on Netflix? I can't get through it. Everyone and their mother is talking about Tiger King. It's, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a show about some white people who like tigers in Florida. And it's a man who has two husbands. I believe there's meth involved. But the antagonist of the man is this woman named Carol. And the man has accused Carol of killing her first husband and feeding him to tigers. Carol either has a podcast or a YouTube page, maybe both. But she begins her intro with, hey, you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> I, I, I watched episode one 
to see what all the fuss was about. Everyone was like, yo, I ain't never seen no shit like this. And I was like, ain't nothing ever going to be crazier than the lady who got abducted twice. And then the man who abducted her was sleeping with her mother and her father. And they were like, nah, that ain't got shit on Tiger King. And I was like, what? So I tried to give Tiger King a watch. I mean, it's got amazing one-liners. I just, I couldn't get into it. Like, I just, I don't know. And I welcome a distraction right now because this, this Corona situation is, is taking me over the edge. I had mentally prepared for April 1st, we'll be, we'll be back in stride again. And that was naive of me. It was, but I had hope. I was being optimistic, but that's clearly not going to happen. We're shut down at least until May 1st. As crazy as the numbers currently sound, 200,000 people have tested positive in the U.S. so far at the time of me recording this. This is Wednesday night, April 1st. The death toll from from COVID-19 was approaching 5,000 when I turned off the TV. It may be that by morning, which is scary. Current numbers are expecting between 100,000 and 200 and 40,000 Americans to die from the coronavirus. And even now, um, New York is, for lack of a better word, under siege from the virus already. And President Cuomo does his news conferences every day. And he keeps saying, like, this is not the apex. Like, it's about to get really bad. And I was like, about to? Central Park has been converted into a open-air field hospital. They've got tents in Central Park where they are treating patients because New York doesn't have a lot of space and they need space. Jacob Javits has been converted into a makeshift hospital, courtesy of the Army Corps of Engineers. It's it's bad. It's starting to hit closer to home for me. One of my really good friends, like I've, I've known him for over a decade we used to bounce around the New York party scene, which is how we met. How I also met his mom because she used to party with us. But he announced on Facebook yesterday that he and his mother had both tested positive. His mother had been in the hospital battling COVID. He was also sick. His mother is out of the hospital now, thank God. But neither one of them are fully functioning. At this point, they're still in recovery. So. If you have prayers to offer, you can please send them up for um for Sky, Sky Washington and his mom, Mama Washington. I don't know people's parents' real names. I'm sure she told me at some point. We, we were all in the club together. I'm sure she told me, you know, to call her by her first name at some point. I'm like, what well, I look like calling somebody's black mama by their first name? Like Mama Washington. He graciously allowed me to share his story on my social media platforms. I've seen a lot of people say, you know, it's a hoax and. You know, young people don't get it and and black people don't get it. But he is young and he is healthy and, you know, he is black. And he he tested positive and got very, very sick from it. I'll read you his note. It says, it's been a rough few weeks. My mother and I both had the coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19. She was in the hospital but got home last night after eight days. I got through it and recovered. It was the worst I have ever been sick. I see people complaining about staying inside and I get it, but you do not want to go through what we have. 
I thank God my mom made it out of the hospital because a lot of people don't. They leave sick and die alone in the hospital because they have to be quarantined away from their loved ones. Please take this seriously. The hospital right now is a war zone, yet people still want to go out and socialize. This is not a joke. No BS. He implores people, please be careful, be safe, love on your loved ones. People are dropping like flies and you'll never know when your last time seeing them is. Thank God we are both at home recovering and thank everyone who has been consistently reaching out and offering to help during this time. Mom is still not 100, but we are still managing and taking all the remedies. Don't take anything or anyone for granted. The world is shifting. His mother is Lynette Washington. So Sky Washington, Lynette Washington, you know, you're always in my prayers. He calls me every year on my birthday. He's a singer and he sings me happy birthday, puts it on my voicemail so I can listen to it over and over. So um, best of best of luck. May God be with them. This situation calls for a little more than luck. It calls for God. I think the weight of coronavirus is hitting a lot of people. I was thinking about all the things, all the all the liberties that we've lost, all the lives. So much has changed in such a short period of time. And I think people are starting to recognize that life is not going back to quote and unquote normal. Not soon and possibly not ever. When we emerge from this global pandemic, like it's not like we're going to all be comfortable crowding into spaces again anytime soon. Eventually, maybe. I think we're all pretty messed up by all of this. Like it's a it's a big shift. Hoda Cobb, beloved Hoda, I love her. She gave me an amazing endorsement when I did the Today Show when my first book came out, A Bell in Brooklyn. And I've loved her. I loved her before that, but I super loved her after that. And I've run into her a few times since. And she's always just a very sweet woman. But she was interviewing New Orleans quarterback Drew Brees, who had donated $5 million for food shortages in in New Orleans. She closed out the interview. You know, she thanked him for what he did. And, you know, he said something nice about, you know, goodwill spreading or something of that nature. And Hoda tried to go to the next topic and she just got choked up. You know, like it's there's a lot. There's so much going on. Like I watched that little ticker on CNN. The number of people who've tested positive rises and then the number of people who have died. Every time that that number ticks up, that's another life lost. That's someone's mother, someone's father, someone's child, someone who was loved, someone who was present tense is now past. That's a lot. Most of these deaths could have been avoided if our government had taken swifter action, had taken COVID-19 more seriously earlier, which did not happen. So here we are in the middle of a ginormous shit show. I'll tell you when I realized I was losing it. And this is before my, my friend told me that he had it. And since he's told me that, several other people have been in my inbox letting me know that people that they know are close to, family members that have passed away. One of my friends, her fiance, he has it, which I'm just like, Jesus. It's a lot of people who are ill right now. I was watching, had to be MSNBC. I've done this show before too. I don't remember the name of the host, blonde woman, 
real sweetheart. She was interviewing a woman who was very casually, probably in shock, speaking about her mother's death and how the nurse held up the phone on FaceTime so that this woman could say goodbye to her mother. Is that where we are? She was very thankful that the nurse had called her and thankful that the nurse made sure that her mother was not alone in her final moments. But I was just like, say goodbye to my mama, one, period, right? But say goodbye to my mama on FaceTime? What else is she going to do? She can't go to the hospital. She can't go to the COVID-19 ward. (sighs) We were living in such bizarre times. Bizarre is perhaps of all. I've stopped calling the person who sits in the Oval Office. I do not refer to him as president. I reserve that for Cuomo. The person who sits in the Oval Office, I don't remember the number of people that had tested positive that day. The numbers grow so rapidly, but it was over 100,000. And it was probably about 2,500 people who have died from this disease. The person that sits in the Oval Office, Hairball, he was tweeting about the ratings for his press conferences. And he was bragging that his press conferences are doing bachelor numbers. And I was like, sir, people are not tuning in to your press conference for entertainment. They're tuning in because they are scared and they are looking to be led by their leader and informed. And they don't get that from him. They're looking for Dr. Fauci. That's why people are tuning in to the press conference. So you boasting about like, oh, my numbers and people are tuning in and they like me. They really like me. No, they really like Dr. Fauci because he's the only one up there we believe isn't lying bold-facedly to the American people. And then he's tweeting about Harry and Meghan. Harry and Meghan have officially moved out of Canada and now they're living in the Hollywood Hills in LA, which great. Okay. Welcome back, Megan. But Trump is like, yeah, just so you know, like the U.S. is not paying for your security. You know, that mofos ain't asked the U.S. for security. They good. They covered. But I was like in the middle of a global pandemic where we are watching the death toll rise daily You're tweeting about ratings. And as much as I love Harry and Meghan, as much as I love them, but you tweeting about pop culture shit, royal shit. Like, and I love Meghan. I'm supposed to be talking about Meghan. I cover pop culture and entertainment for a living. You, sir, are the president of the fucking United States during a pandemic. You have no business talking about pop culture. Focus, goddammit. Those news conferences are like a straight shit show. And I've got to stop watching them. I don't really like the way he, he treats the black people. Amisi Alcindor, she is a White House press correspondent and she works for PBS NewsHour. She was formerly with the New York Times. Every time this woman stands up to ask a question, Trump just says like some crazy shit. The most recent was he went on Sean Hannity she was trying to ask him a question and read back to him what he said 
about the ventilators. And he just flipped. He was like, you know, why don't you people, you people, do, do you mean reporter people? Do you mean woman people? Do you mean black people? Which people are you referring to, sir? I'm I'm unclear. So she was trying to ask her question. And then he points out, which is not the first time he said this. He was like, you used to work for the Times and now you work for someone else. So, like, can a woman not switch a job? Maybe PBS. And I seriously hope so. I hope they are cutting her good check and paying her great coin. Because the shit she's dealing with to go to the White House every day and deal with Trump, nobody should have to put up with that shit. If any other job, this would be considered harassment. Because it's coming from the president of the United States. It's just part of the job. It was a different time. Maybe it was the same one. He told her she should be nice and she should not be threatening, which I was like, would you ever tell a man he needs to be nice? I feel like that's the equivalent of a woman walking down the street, minding her own goddamn business. And a man just yells out, smile. This woman is here to do a job. Her job is not to be nice. Her job is to get answers. Her job is to be respectful. Less so of the man than of the position that he holds. But nice? She wasn't even being mean. She was reading him something he said. And then he said she shouldn't be threatening. I'm like, is she going to assault you with her tape recorder? Huh? This isn't the first time he's acted up on her. A couple weeks ago, she asked something about why he shut down the National Security Council. Is that the same council that was supposed to be overlooking pandemics? that Obama had and then Trump shut down like three years ago. And he keeps saying like, I came into a mess. I'm like, sir, it's been three years. You've been in office three years. This isn't like three months, three years. You ain't had no time to fix the perceived mess between then and now. That sounds like a you problem, not an Obama problem. But she was trying to ask him about the national security council. And he was like, that's a nasty question. He went on to talk about quote, it's the administration. Perhaps they do that. Let people go. You used to be with a different newspaper than you are now. You know things like that happen. What does this woman having a previous job and now a new job have to do with the price of tea in China? I just, I'm so confused. I'm like, good hairball, sir. If you don't wish to answer questions, might I suggest to you that you don't have a fucking press conference? The two go hand in hand. You get up to the podium, you give a little statement, and then the people, the press, sitting in front of you who you are speaking to, they ask you questions about things that are related to your job. This is how this whole thing goes. He can avoid answering questions by just not talking to the press. But God bless Yamichi Alcindor, sis. She putting up with some bullshit. And she's a good person. She's a better woman than I. And I don't mean that in a sarcastic way. I mean, she's a good woman. She wrote on Twitter that she wasn't the first human being, woman, black person or journalist to be told to be nice while she was doing her job. My take, quote, be steady, stay focused, remember your purpose and always press forward. Like I said, she better than me. Did you see today's press conference? He did a press conference. Everyone tuned in to hear about the coronavirus. To hear any updates on did New York get its ventilators? Is there PPE for the healthcare workers? He decided to do a whole press conference today about drugs. 
He started talking about that damn wall for Mexico again. He started talking about caravans. I was like, caravans? He's talking about the, the caravans, the Mexicans, they're coming to rape people. Is he back on that shit again? He talked about he was the most popular person on Facebook. He said some other shit. And I was like, let me tell you one good goddamn thing. People are dying. I don't give two shits about drug cartels entering the country. If people want to get high while they're sheltered in place, while it looks like the end of the world is happening, let them. He got one job right now. Coronavirus. That's the only thing I want to hear from him. And not really him. I want to hear some people who know what the fuck they talking about. That's not him. I can't keep doing this to myself because I'd be yelling and cursing at the screen. I will not get high blood pressure over the goddamn president making a goddamn fool of the goddamn country. I was talking about Mexicans are trying to get into our country. Anybody trying to get into the U.S. right now? Healthcare system is shit. We ain't got no PPE. We ain't got no masks. We are leading the, the world in the number of positive coronavirus diagnoses. That's where we are. We got almost 5,000 people dead. Anybody trying to come in this shithole country? The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. And other quick news, because I do have a treat for you this week. Drake posted a picture of his baby. Adonis. Oh, baby was cute. People were like, whose baby is this? Where'd Drake get this baby from? That ain't Drake's baby. And I was like, yeah, I don't really know what y'all expected the baby to look like. I don't really know what the kid's mom looks like. I know that she is a non-Wakandan. Drake is half non-Wakandan. So that baby is 75% non-Wakandan. 
And I think because we all, you know, we're used to seeing Drake, we just think that a baby is going to automatically look like the more popular parent, which is just not how genetics work. The baby's real bright. I mean, Drake ain't a dark-skinned man. The baby was cute. I just want y'all to know, Drake got dragged by Pusha T. Like, you are hiding a child. It's like, of all the accusations, my God. He said that shit with a bass in his voice. You are hiding a child. And Drake was like, what did he say? I'm not hiding my child from the world. I'm hiding the world from my child. Basically, the mofo was like, I'm trying to protect my baby and my peace and my sanity. So we waited forever and a goddamn day to see this baby. He showed us the baby and everyone sat around and, and proved exactly why this man didn't want y'all seeing his child. We ain't going to see that child again until that child is fucking grown and graduated from college. Because the way y'all fools acted upon seeing his child. Act like y'all never had no basic science class with dominant and recessive genes. Y'all acted up over that baby. Folks went and found pictures of Drake's mama and was like, oh, okay, the baby looks exactly like his mom. I'm like, because it's his grandma. That, that was always a possibility. Remember with like baby Archie, the snack and Megan's baby? We were hoping that baby Archie would look like Megan's mom, be brown with red hair. That didn't quite happen. We got red hair. But Harry, the royal snack, although we love him so, and he does have a soulful spirit, he is non-Wakandan. Megan is half Wakandan. Half Wakandan and non-Wakandan white makes a very light baby. There's nothing wrong for light baby. People were like, stop calling that baby light. That baby is biracial. That baby is white. I was like, that's that's not right. We're not supposed to be sticking to the one drop rule. But I, you know, I'm not a millennial. I'm six months off from millennial. I still claim X. And in Generation X, we still believe in one drop rule. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's not ignorant. I'm just saying that's something that Generation X still believes in. So I'm going to call that baby black, even though the baby's very pale. But the baby is black. Mixed. Mixed and black. I'll accept both. But y'all not going to call that baby with 25% blackness white. I don't care how light the baby is. The baby is not white. Not baby Archie. And not baby Adonis. Speaking of babies. Rihanna did this interview for, for British Vogue. British Vogue is killing it. They make American Vogue look so terrible and so dry. Edward Innifel, is that his name? I'd be butchering people's names, but I just want you to know it's because I read. I read that the other day. They were like, when people pronounce things incorrectly, it's because they read it. They didn't hear it. They didn't watch it. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. But our dearest Rihanna, she did the cover of British Vogue. She talked about having children. She's 32. People love to know what's going on with the woman's uterus. She did say that she broke up with her billionaire Saudi boyfriend. They were cute together the few times that we saw them. But, you know, she won't be single long if she chooses not to be. I mean, she's fucking Rihanna. Like, come on. She said that she would love to have children. She very much wants to be a mother. She said that previously. And she said that she'd like to have three or four kids and that not being in a relationship would not hold back her plans from becoming a mother. She says that love is the most fundamental element of being a parent. She also says, quote, I feel like society makes me want to feel like, oh, you got it wrong. They diminish you as a mother if there's not a dad in your kids' lives. 
People were pissed about that interview. One of the Facebook groups that I'm in is for blended families. And they just like, most especially, especially the guys, they just like ripped her a new one. And I was like, why? I don't get it. Like she wants to have children. If she's not in a relationship, if she's not, she doesn't have a partner, she's not married. Like, what is she supposed to do? Like, not have a partner and not have children? They were like, that's what's wrong with black women now. The destruction of the black family. And I was like, is the destruction of the black family that Rihanna would have children without a partner? Or does this speak into the challenge of modern womanhood, modern marriage, where a woman's not sure whether she'll find a good partner to raise her children with and she would rather do it alone. But people took it like a personal affront, like Rihanna had taken their kid and moved to Barbados and wouldn't allow them to see the child and was choosing to raise the child single without them involved. Like people were just just very, very personal about what Rihanna was choosing to do with her uterus. And I'm like, please keep in mind, like by no means am I going to suggest that having that being a single mother is easy, even if you have millions of dollars. What we're not going to do is act like Rihanna having a, a child or three or four on her own is going to be the average single mother situation. She's going to have a nanny for every child. Money makes a difference. Money makes a huge difference. Like she's never going to be like, oh my God, I'm paying the equivalent of a mortgage to keep this child in daycare. That's never a conversation that she's going to have. If Rihanna wants to go have a whole tribe of children, I just don't see the problem if that's what she wants to do. I do think children need two parents. And I don't mean like a mom and a dad. I just mean like two parents. Two parent figures, I should say. I read this um, this essay by Bell Hooks. She has a book that I think is called All About Love. Something about love or something love. Love is involved. It's read. But she has an essay in there about, she was like, you need two parent figures for children. And the obvious one is help. The care of children is taxing. You need someone to help you take care, the physical care of a child. Economics, helpful, ideal. But more so what she was speaking to is that parents have their own blind spots. You're doing the best that you can. In many ways, you're trying to break negative patterns, repeat patterns that you thought were healthy. Some are, some aren't. But sometimes, like, you know, you're saying no for the wrong reasons. You need somebody who can roll it around and be like, well, have we considered you know, you need somebody to balance it out. And I was like, oh, that makes sense to me. And she wasn't necessarily saying that it has to be someone in the home. Just another trusted adult that cares deeply for the well-being of the child, where the parent figures can roll ideas off each other and sort of check and balance one another. And I was like, oh, I think that's a good idea. I also think if you don't have that available, then do your best. I just really object to the idea that if you want to have a child, but you don't have a partner, or you don't want to deal with a partner, then like, what are you supposed to do? That's tying up a lot in a partner. And a lot of people don't find their person. So I'm like, you're just supposed to have kids with like some random or someone you like, but you don't love someone you're just eh, about. Like, is, is that what we're suggesting? If you don't meet your person before your reproductive years are complete, then no kids for you. Like, seriously. 
Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Some of you may recall that last week, retired NBA player Stephen Jackson, he uploaded a video. It started off well. It seemed that he had been reflecting on his choices in life. He was advising young men to find one woman, be in a relationship with her, have your children with one woman, maintain that relationship because it's way easier and less headache than having multiple children with multiple women. I said, okay, this sounds reasonable and sensible. So he went on to say that he has five mothers of his children. He says that two of them are okay. He said three of them he wishes he never met. Then he goes on to say that a black man's downfall is a bitter black woman. Bitter black women are worse than the police. I hear men throw that word around a lot. There are some women who are just bitter and evil. There are men also. Bitter black men is a thing. This video, bitter as fuck. To upload a video disparaging the mothers of your children changes the game. So I had to point out that nine times out of ten, when I've seen women referred to as bitter, it's usually when they're creating boundaries or holding men accountable. They're demanding respect or better behavior. If you call a woman bitter, is she really bitter or is she tired of dealing with your fuckery? It's two different things. I wanted to say the same thing to him that people often say to women when they complain about the fathers of their children. Sir, you chose these women. And I challenge him to consider is the problem that the women are bitter or is that a symptom of something else? And I I suggested that maybe the problem was a wayward penis. You chose these women. What they have in common is you. I also had to hit him with a good book of Cat Williams. Chapter 4, verse 44, 444. Mr. Jackson, in the video, he said he was 42. I was like, are you sure? He said he was 42. Maybe he's got two more years before he has his Jay-Z come to Jesus moment. Let's hope he can get there a little sooner than that. You ain't got to wait till you're in your mid-40s. To get your life together. You could do it sooner. That's an option too. Cat Williams does this skit. He says, and he says, women, ladies, if you are over 25, still talking about niggas ain't shit. I need you to examine what's wrong with your pussy that you keep attracting ain't shit niggas. I flip it and I say the same thing to men. If you are over 25, talking about women, female, bitches, whatever word you want to use, ain't shit What is wrong with your penis that you continue to attract ain't shit people? So when I wrote this, I also challenged him to investigate what he hoped to happen by uploading that video. Like he goes on this rant about the mothers of his children. The mothers will see it. The children inevitably will too. As they are high school and college age, I'm sure they have Instagram accounts. They have access to social media. What did he hope to accomplish? Like, 
was he intending to build a better relationship with his children, with their mothers? Where are we going with this, sir? Like, you put this up here, you've called women bitter, and then what? Like, what was the desired outcome? He put out this narrative, and I said, I would love to hear the other side of this story, because I know there is one. These women, three women, are just bitter. They're just bitter. They're ruining your life. They're these bitter pill women. They weren't always that way. They wasn't bitter when you was fucking them. So, like, what happened that these women became bitter? So, I put that out there, and lo and behold, one of the women actually hit me up. She's ex-fiance. Her name is Imani Showalter. If you watch Basketball Wives, you might remember her. So, we got on the phone, and we talked about 40 minutes one night, and... She told me a lot of stuff. She has a really interesting story, a really interesting perspective. And I, I thank her very much for sharing it with me. So, hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me. I was like, I don't know if she's going to do it or not. Last week. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. <laughs> like, oh, God, exactly. <laughs> Last week, your ex, your ex-fiance, Stephen Jackson, he, he put up a video this started off really well. Like he started off saying that he had made some mistakes, that he had many children by multiple women, five women. So he was warning young men not to follow in his footsteps, which I was like, yes, this this makes sense to me. Like maintaining five families is a lot. But then it just right. took a left. It took a big left. Yeah. And sharp he, left. a sharp, very sharp left, sharp left. And then off a cliff. I was like, I, I was riding with you. I was riding with you. And then you just and I had to get out. You know, he started talking about bitter black women and he specifically spoke about some of the mothers of his children saying that, you know, three of them, three of the five he wished he'd never met. That's a lot to say about the mothers of your children. He said he never sees his kids despite spending millions in child support, which I was like, oh, my God, that's terrible. Because I was thinking the kids were like, you know, seven or eight or nine. And then he was like, you know, all my kids are in high school and college. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like this, this story is is not quite... Adding up. Adding up, yes. Yeah, well, not many people took the time to kind of decipher what he was saying. And, you know, you were one of the people that kind of caught some of those tidbits. And I think a lot of times when one of your favorite celebrities or somebody you admire, you kind of just take what they say with a grain of salt without kind of thinking about it. And so that's why, you know, me and you started talking because I was like, okay, she gets it. I don't know if I'm one of the two or one of the three. Either way, it was just really kind of tough to listen to. How did you hear about the video initially? I got a couple of text messages from a couple of friends and was, you know, and a couple of his friends too, actually. And they were like, oh, Lord, what's going on now? And I was like, I have no clue. Like, we haven't really, you know, spoken. I'd send him a text maybe a few days, maybe four or five days before about on Friday about um, I had been sick. I was out of work for about three weeks, and so I hadn't been working. So I was kind of speaking to him to kind of see if maybe he could kind of catch up on some child support or, you know, pay for February or March or something because, like, you know, my, my funds were not great. He didn't reply, which isn't not – it's not abnormal for him not to reply. So I just kind of left it at that. I didn't – get mad and get angry. I didn't say anything else. I just left it at that. Fast forward three or four days later, I got text messages and I'm like, I have no clue. And then finally my daughter said, mom, look what dad posted. When I sat there and watched it with her, I was mortified. And so was she. And 
it really wasn't very nice. And I didn't even know what to say to her. And like I said, I didn't know if I was part of the two or part of three. But either way, just as a, you know, somebody who's known this man close to 20 years, like, it was very hurtful. Yeah, I can imagine. And hurtful for your children as well. My daughter, she's a, you know, she's a girl, so she's a little bit more sensitive, but... Even my son, who usually keeps most of this to himself, he kind of says, yeah, mom, you know, my friend asked me, like, you know, were you one of the two that he hates? And I said, I don't think so. Most of the people listening to this have never been the target of a viral social media moment. And even without your name being involved in it, you know, if people know that, you know, you were with him, that you guys were engaged, you have children, it's implied that some way he's talking about you whether it's one of the three women he said he regretted or it's one of the two that are okay. Like, it's just, but it's exactly. a lot. And when you put it, you know, two out of and three out of five, like, the odds are probably, <laughs> I probably am, you know? I didn't think we had any problems. Like I said, I kind of stay out the way for the most part. I have so many other things going on. Everything that's going on in the world. I have an elderly mother. I have two teenage children. I work full time. So I didn't understand what that was about. When you're the subject or maybe one of the subjects of a viral moment, like you talked about, like your children see it and then other people hit you up. When you log in online, like what do your mentions look like? What do your DMs look like? (laughs) What you can imagine. (laughs) I've kind of gotten immune to it because there's been a couple of rants that he's gone on. And some of them I know specifically were aimed towards me and my children. Even the whole situation, like, going back, back, back to, like, the whole wedding fiasco, that kind of kind of got out there, and it was not necessarily true. Wait, what uh, is the wedding fiasco? I don't know what the wedding fiasco is. You don't know the wedding fiasco? I don't know the wedding fiasco. So, girl, word on the streets is... <laughs> <laughs> like, this is what people say versus what exactly happened. <laughs> what happened was... No, so we have been together for maybe like six or seven years, and we had a wedding date. I was actually pregnant with my son, and our wedding date was like July. I don't even remember what day it was. And so we had gone through this whole time, planned everything out, and the day of the wedding, like an hour before the wedding, I was presented with a prenup that we had never talked about, that I had never seen, and I didn't sign it because... I just, I didn't know what was in it. And I didn't know who wrote it because he told me he didn't want to print up. It was a fiasco. And so ultimately, we did not end up getting married that day. We stayed together after that, but it was just, I came out as being the greedy, you know, whatever, who wouldn't sign the prenup. But me and Stephen had spoke about a prenup and he never wanted me to sign one. I was willing because I'm of the school that it's best to negotiate with somebody when they love you as opposed to when you guys are at each other's throat. And I even have a letter basically like two days before the wedding from his attorney saying, I know this is a hard conversation, but can you at least have, you know, just think about it. And he just didn't want it. So when I got that in my wedding dress, all I'm getting my hair done, I'm like, I don't know who wrote this. I didn't write it. My name was all through it as if I had seen it and agreed to it. It was just like a scam. So I was just like, I'm not signing this. Like, cause I don't, If he wants me to sign it, I'll sign it. But, like, I don't know who this is from. And as far as I know, he doesn't want me to sign it. But as the story got spun, I became the bad guy. That's the furthest thing from the truth. And I never spoke out about it because I just felt like 
I shouldn't have to defend myself on that. And I kind of wanted him to stick up for me at that time. And he didn't. I think it's important that, you know, people who are listening know that before you agreed to do this interview, you were like, I want to talk to you. I want to know what your agenda is. I, I want to know what you want to talk about. I want to know what the questions are. Because you were really very adamant about not being messy and not throwing anyone under the bus. Yeah. But you just wanted to sort of share your perspective. And then also, I really wanted to speak to my kids to make sure that they would be okay with me having a, a public conversation. Because I never have. I just, you know, I just take the shots, <laughs> you know? Because, like I said, I love them more than I dislike all this extra stuff that goes on. And so I keep my eyes on the prize, and that's their well-being, and I don't want to embarrass them in any way. And so, you know, that's how I make my decisions. And I spoke with them yesterday, and they said, yeah, it's fine. I mean, I respected you initially because when you reached out to me, um, you know, I, I saw the, the video that he made. And people were like, you got to address this. So I did. And I was like, I would love to hear the perspective of one of the moms. And <laughs> I didn't actually think anybody was going to reach out to me. And then you were like, hey, sis, you shared your story. And the reason I wanted to speak with you is because I think there is there's a woman out there who would have you know, been the center in some form or fashion of, of this viral moment where she sort, she's yeah. being disparaged. And she would have been in my DMs and she would have dragged him to death. And no. you were just like, you know what, like, there's been so much, you know, people don't know about me, people don't know about this situation. And it's just people have no idea what's happening behind the scenes. And that's why I was like, you know what, I actually want to hear what she has to say. Well, I had seen it, like, like you said, it's, it's been everywhere. And I'd seen it on another website. And I kind of like, you know, got in the comments, and was like, this isn't true, you know, well, I wasn't saying anything bad. But I was just like, you know, you need to think about what you're doing. I have small children, like they can hear this, this is hurtful. I kept scrolling. And then I saw your post, but you had a different perspective on it. And you seemed as if you were open minded, and you kind of really listened to what he was saying. And it didn't make sense to you either. And so it's like, okay, she kind of gets it. So that's when I kind of said to you, like, you know, this is what's really going on. And I, like I said, I didn't say anything bad about him, but I didn't even know if I'm one of the bad guys or the good guys, to be honest with you. But I just wanted to say, like, you know, this stuff is out there and my kids are on Instagram. They're 16 and 14. So, you know, they follow him. You know, their friends follow him. I've been silent a lot during a lot of this stuff. But for some reason this time, it was just, I just felt like I needed to say something to somebody. It didn't even have to go public, but I just wanted to kind of thank you for taking an objective look at it and be willing to listen to me. I was surprised that more people didn't have a similar point of view. Because again, once I got to like the kids are, the kids are damn near grown. Like, <laughs> like they have their own cell phones. It's not like you have to go through the mom to access the kids. And I was like, something about this story isn't from his version, not even from you right. reaching out, but his version of the story. I was like, something's not. Something in the milk ain't clean. Exactly. <laughs> what do you want yeah. people to know about you that they don't? Well, I just think the whole bitter black baby mama kind of thing rubbed me the wrong way. I've been nothing but good to this man. We've been back and forth in court as far as like child support, just trying to come up with a number and trying to get him to follow through with it. <laughs> in the black community, sometimes as a black woman, if you want child support, you're considered to be the bad guy. 
I personally just feel like I'm doing all I can. I'm a single mother. I take care of my kids by themselves. There was a time I had an infant and a toddler. My kids are only two years and one day apart. So I've done all this by myself. And when he was in the league, I kind of understood because, you know, he would be in a different state. And But now the kids are older. I've done it all by myself all this time. I've sacrificed, you know, things I've wanted to do, going back to school, dating, um, just I've sacrificed a lot. And so for him to kind of boil that down to just being a bitter baby mama, like I just felt like that's not who I am. I work a full-time job. I'm in marketing, you know, a decent living, you know, I'm able to support us and take care of us. And I really don't bother him. And I just, I just hate that anytime that somebody's expected to be accountable, that, you know, we have to be bitter, I'm far from better. I have an amazing life. I have great friends. I have everything that I've ever wanted. I think I'm in a great place in my life. And for somebody to kind of minimize me to just being a bitter black baby mama, it it was hurtful. And like I said, again, I don't know if I'm one of the two or one of the three, but it just hurt me just because I know that's like the first thing men grab for. Like, you have to be bitter. And, like, what would I be bitter about at this point? My kid is 16 years old. You know what I mean? What would I have to be bitter about? And you guys have been separated for, like... A very, very, very long time. Long time, time. yeah. You know, and even when I first got to Georgia, he, you know, was coming around. And this was the first time my kids had ever seen him. And he was making a huge effort to kind of be here. He was coming over the whole nine. You know, he wanted to be involved. And I was like, this is awesome. This is great. And, you know, he kind of threw it out there about us getting back together. And I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's been a lot, you know, a lot of water under the bridge. And it is what it is. So my son started playing rec ball. He even signed up to be the coach. They would see him two or three times a week. And things were great. And then kind of when we decided, like, yeah, this is not going to work. It was like, poof, like in an instant, he disappeared. So much to the point where the kids were like, hey, Stacky, where's Coach Jackson? Like, he didn't even come and finish the season with the kids. Like, it was so dramatic and hurtful. I kind of see who he is and who he still is, and, and that's fine. That's not somebody I would want in my life. So for him to think that anybody is really bitter it's kind of like no <laughs> like I'm kind of glad I'm I'm out of that situation you don't want to get your hopes up and then you know something doesn't turn out and that instant was like four or five years ago I just always look at things as if I have children and I'm a role model and anybody that I introduce into their lives whether they be friends relationship man woman whatever I have to think, okay, is this a person you want around your kids? And so knowing that he was still basically the same person that I kind of left many, many years ago, I kind of decided, no, like, if he were not their father, this isn't somebody I would want to bring into my home and have around my children like that. Yeah, He is their father. And I opened the door for that part because he is their father. And they love him. And they should. But would I introduce a person like that into their life, especially somebody that could treat my kids like that, you know? I think there is a narrative 
or an assumption maybe is the right word, that if you are a woman and you dated an athlete, you are engaged to an athlete, you have children with an athlete, that you are just rolling in money, you are living <laughs> high on the hog, as the old people would say, off off the child off child support. You are just you no. are dripped in Gucci and Chanel, like no. the, it's like it, is this your life? That's not my life. Okay. <laughs> I live in a very modest home in a subdivision with a house that I could afford that I had to pay for by myself that I almost lost during foreclosure because he wasn't paying child support and I couldn't find a job at the time. So that's not my life. I live a life within my means. I work full time, nine to five every, every week, Monday through Friday. I was able to get a home that I could afford off my salary. And that's what I do. There's no Gucci. There's no, <laughs> if I have Gucci and Chanel, it's from like way. You're like, this is vintage. Before. This is vintage Gucci. <laughs> you, like, pulling out the back of the closet. Oh, it's hot again. <laughs> you can't find this one. It's not in the store. It's not in the stores, sis. It's not in the stores. <laughs> but no, like I have a good life. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, but it's, it's nothing like what you think. It's nothing like what you see on the TV. Let me just say that. I go to work. I come home, I pick my son up, I take him to either training or basketball practice. We leave there about 10 p.m. at night. I come back home, it's like 11. If I can throw something together to eat, I will, or grab takeout. And then I wake up at 6 a.m. to get ready for work tomorrow morning. Like, that's my life. That's your life. I would love to be able to be like, oh no, I was in St. Bart's in the south of France. <laughs> I would love to say that, but that's not the truth. Like, my life really especially since my son started playing basketball, like that takes up so much time. Yeah. And even on the weekends, like we're at tournaments in different states that I have to pay for to fly there and pay for hotels. And there is no extra, like, especially since it started, there is no extra. There isn't any extra. How are you not bitter? I won't go into the details that you, you shared with me yesterday because I, I didn't want to talk to you for a bunch of tea and a bunch of mess. But I think there's a lot of women who have been with, with men, situations didn't work out. There are some women who are genuinely bitter because they've been genuinely hurt. They're genuinely angry because of things that have happened to them. You got a, a rightful reason to be bitter based on some of the things that you shared. How are you not bitter? How did you move on from this relationship and, and be like, you know what, I'm going to live my best life? I don't think I ever really had it chance to be bitter because like I said when I left him you know I left while he was on a road trip I packed up me and my two kids and you know I moved in with my aunt who was retired and living on SSI we had no money so I had to figure out like I have to take care of a newborn baby and I have to manage this toddler and so I really didn't have a lot of time to be bitter because I was in like survival mode my auntie she would take her SSI check and buy infamil for my son because he was you know taylor could eat what we eat but my son was still on formula i just had to pull myself by the bootstraps go to court and maybe maybe like a year into it once you know things were in a pattern we still were in court i still wasn't really getting no money but i was seeing like a light at the end of the tunnel and from then i was like wow i can't believe as much as we were in love and like we loved each other so much that this is where we are. And I don't think it was a bitterness. I think it was like a sadness, a shock. Um, like Stephen, sometimes we would be in court and I would be like, Stephen, it's me. Like, I would just feel like, well, maybe he doesn't realize it's me because we were like best friends. Once I realized that it was never going to be the same again, 
I kind of accepted it and I moved on. I don't think I've ever really been bitter. I've been disappointed, but I've never been bitter. Never been bitter. People who listen regularly, they know that about, I guess, two and a half years ago, I was married and I woke up one day and I was like, I can't do this anymore. So... For you, a lot of people would say you're in a relationship, you're with this NBA player, he makes a great amount of money, you have two kids together, you live in this big house, like you're living the life and you walked away from it all. What was your final straw and how did you make the decision to be like, whatever this is, I want something else? What was that moment for you? Well, there were two things. So I have a daughter. I remember one day we were at Neiman Marcus, like the wives in Indiana, and they had thrown like a fashion show private fashion show for us and you know we had a nice lunch and I was driving home in like a Bentley nice clothes and pulling up to this beautiful home and I was in tears and I called my mom and I was like you know mom I'm not happy like he doesn't treat me well you know he by that time he had had um a couple of babies on me and you know I kind of forgave him and we kept moving on but I just saw his behavior wasn't really changing pause i just want people to know that i heard the couple babies thing but because i'm not being messy i'm just gonna let that ride because it was so long ago and i don't want to i don't want to talk about the kids so i just i want people to know i heard it but i'm just gonna keep the story going so just keep going yeah there's children in between mine but we was always we've always been together so I forgave him and you know he would you know say I spoke to God and God told me and you know and it break my heart and like to see this big strong guy kind of break down and cry and ask forgiveness like who's not going to do that and plus I loved him so much but that particular day it just seemed like I had all the trappings of happiness (laughs) and I wasn't happy yeah and I called my mom and you know she's old school and I was like mom you know I'm not happy you know he doesn't treat me well and I was crying and even my mom was like girl please you're living better than most people stop being so dramatic (laughs) you know wow bombs yeah that whole generation like what (laughs) exactly exactly so I was like okay well maybe I'm tripping so I go in the house and I'm still sad and I was um in my bedroom and I was crying and I was like let me go up and um you know wash my face off so the kids don't see me and as I got out of the bed I hit my toe on the like bedpost if you can imagine I start bawling and my daughter who was like maybe two at the time she ran in the bathroom and she's like mommy why are you crying what's wrong daddy sad you and at that point I realized like wow every time this kid sees me crying she relates it to daddy's making me sad Sad. and I was like even though I didn't have the support of my mom really my daughter I just didn't want her to grow up thinking like that was okay he was away on a road trip during that time and I packed up all my things what I could carry really I left a lot of stuff in Indiana and I called my aunt and I said you know I I think I need to leave I'm not happy and can I just come stay with you for a little while and she was like Get a ticket. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and that's all I needed. Yeah. yeah. And I've never been back since then. No, when I, um, I'd lived in my apartment for 13, 15 years. Um, when my husband, when we got married, he, um, he moved in with me because I lived closer to the city and had a bigger place. So he moved in with me. And the moment, the day I woke up and was like, I can't do this anymore. Like mm-hmm. it was two hours between like the realization until I went to the store and got boxes. 
And then, like, I started packing. Like, he he went somewhere and he came back and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, no, I told you, like, I can't do this. And he was like, you say that all the time. And I was like, no, today I mean it. And I left most of my furniture. I left my apartment. I lived there forever. Like, I was just like, I'm done. Like, I want peace. And I can't find it here. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and and that's what you said. Like, you know, like I said, I had been through him being unfaithful. I have been through verbal abuse. I have been through... I'm not here to, like, talk bad about him because he is, like, he's a good guy. Like, you know, I just think once he learns better, he'll do better. And hopefully that time is going to come soon. I just been through so much and I kind of just sucked it up. And I was like, this is not even who I am. You know, when I met him, I was working on Wall Street, making six figures. You know what I mean? It's not like I needed this man. You know, I just fell in love with him because he is very charismatic. He's a lot of fun. But when you're in a relationship with him, it's not as great. Even with the first baby that he had, you know, my people were like, you need to leave. That's so disrespectful. But that's my man. You can't tell me to leave my man. And I stayed. And I took a lot of things that normally, knowing who I am, especially who I am now, I would have never tolerated. But I think I couldn't do it for me at that point because I was so in love with him. And so it took me doing it for my daughter in order to move on to move on you know i feel like when when men are unfaithful especially like there's it's a catch-22 for women it's like if you leave then it's like you're not fighting for your love you're not giving it a chance and yeah and i was like but if you stay then it's like well people are like well you're an idiot for staying like why would you stay with somebody who cheats on you like it's just a no-win situation no matter what you do and it's not even just the cheating like it was a lot of layers to our relationship that wasn't like ideal I wouldn't want my daughter in that kind of situation. The cheating was like everywhere. People knew that this baby was coming and who the girl was. It was just like, I had hell in Atlanta. Let's just say that. Yeah. And Atlanta is like a big city, but also a very small town. town. Like everyone knows everyone. I would go in the hairdresser. People would say, oh my God, how are you doing? How's your family? Like, I'm like, who are you? How do you know my Like, how do you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was like really bad. I couldn't go anywhere. So I kind of isolated myself a little bit to kind of get over that hump and then he got traded so we moved so that was a little bit of a reprieve so that helped a little bit but it's just you know after a certain while you kind of get beat down and you just feel like well this is you know this is just my life you know but I didn't sign up for that like when we got met we were both madly in love with each other and he promised me the moon the stars the oceans everything and you know, he was a very humble guy from the South, new at the NBA, like, but he changed dramatically over the years, which is fine. I mean, people are supposed to change, but I just wish we could have grown together and changed in a more positive way. way. Yeah. yeah. I love that about you because I feel like there are other people who would who would be dragging would be like, girl, here's the no, tea. No, You're not that person. I have yeah. Way, I don't like some of the stuff that my children hear come out of his mouth. I would never want them to look at me and be like, oh, my God, mom, why did you say that about that? No, Women just have like this extra burden because usually we're the ones who are like, you know, the, the, the custodial parent of the kid um, yeah. or the children. So mm-hmm. we're the ones that have to sort of, I don't know, keep the good image you know, I gave birth to these children. They And I have lupus. I'm not even supposed to be pregnant. Like, you know, for us to decide to have children together, it took a lot out of me for me to say, okay, fine, I'll have these kids. And it's like, I brought these babies into the, 
into the world and you know i gave them life i carried them i went through all the pain i was on bed rest for six months you know and i did all that like why would i go through all that to destroy them i don't think it's a burden you hear people say i will take a bullet for my kid so i can hold my mouth <laughs> for my kid too you know well thank you melissa is there anything that i haven't asked you about that you want that you want me to know that you want listeners to know well like i said i just you know I'm not here to bash him because there are a lot of great qualities about him. I think you can be a, a great human without being a great father. I think you can be a great human without being a great husband. You know, he's fun. He's a great guy. He's funny. He's charismatic. But at the same time, I wish he would kind of, you know, either be more honest or or be a little bit more discreet when it comes to the children, because they do see that they do hear that, you know, my daughter was like, why would he say that? Like I, I asked him to go to lunch with me the other day and he didn't come. So she's like, I don't know why he's saying that. And I said, well, maybe he's not talking about me, you know, but kids have a way of internalizing things and it may not have been directed towards me, but there have been times where he has said things directed towards me and her, and she's heard it, and it, it was just very devastating. And it causes a lot of strife in my household. We all have each other's numbers. I'm more than open to talking to him anytime he wants to. We do talk occasionally, so I just didn't see the need for him to do that. Even if it wasn't about my kids, you know, that's their siblings, you know? It's just not good. Have you spoken to him since the video went up? No, I sent, like I said, I sent him the message to see if he, you know, because I hadn't worked in a month to see if he would pay child support for February or March or whatever. He didn't reply. He replied maybe the day after the video and basically said, um, oh, I've been busy. I forgot I have to pay you. But yeah, I'll take care of it. <laughs> but, I, you know, he texted me that. I haven't heard from him since then. And has been done. So Is he current on child support? Oh, he is. Yeah, okay. he is. Okay. Just with me. Yeah. I know he, he was trying to get me to cancel it. And um, he said, well, how much would you take to kind of for the back pay? Because you know, I don't have a license. I don't have my passport and I'm losing money. And, you know, how much would it take for you to, you know, close out your case? And I was like, well, I gave him a number and I guess that wasn't the number he wanted. And, you know, then he kind of blamed me and said, oh, you're, you're um, this and this and that. You can't believe you. You don't care. This is, And I do care. But if you have a court order to pay and you're not paying, what makes me think once I cancel my case that you're going to pay? Yeah. You know, I would love to do that for him. And I even wrote up an agreement. I was like, listen, if you, you know, say, listen, I'm going to pay you this lump sum of what I owe in the back. And then every month I'm going to give you X, Y, Z. And if I don't, there's an escalation clause and this and that he didn't want to go for that so he's like that's too much so I'm like okay well I'm trying but I'm just not at a place where I can kind of trust that he's going to do the right thing because nobody really wants to go through the courts for child so it's a oh headache it's a headache do you know how much money I've spent on legal fees and going to court with this man and he had unlimited funds at that time and I was barely making it and I've spent like six figures in legal fees. Yeah. So finally, I just went down like the, you know, average girl in America to the, <laughs> the child support office and stood in line and filled out my paperwork because I just can't afford another lawyer. I just can't. Yeah. There's this idea that like women are like you, you mentioned before that women are just they're bitter and they're trying to go to court and they're running these men for all this money. And I was like, that's a headache. Like I said, 
when I first moved here, I had to leave New York because I didn't get, you know, adequate child support and I couldn't afford to stay there anymore. So I moved to Atlanta and I was here and he was paying for a little while. And then he just, when me and him got into it about, you know, and he disappeared, he just stopped for like a year. My house went into foreclosure. I was three days from foreclosure. So I'm like, I have to do something. You know, he needs to take care of these kids too. Cause if I'm homeless, they're homeless. And so, yeah, I went down to the regular office down here and like, okay, well, what's the paperwork? Here's this, here's my decree from the attorneys and this is how much he's supposed to give me and blah, blah, blah. Trust me, I wish, you know, it's like the most valuable things in life right now is time and money. Like I said, he lives 40 minutes away from here. If I saw him showing up and being active and, you know, wanting to be a part of my kids' lives, you know, I still need the help, but at least it's like it'll alleviate me if he would come take my son to basketball practice in the evenings after I've worked a full day. Or go on one of these trips to Daytona or Charlotte or New Orleans for a basketball tournament so I can rest that weekend. Those kind of things, you know, have currency. It has yeah. equity in some of that. And, like, I don't even get that. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. Can you really be mad at me? Well, it's only two more years for my daughter, so then <laughs> <laughs> I'm free. Like she almost grown. She almost grown. She's Just almost hold tight. But she's a great girl. Like, okay, that's what I do want to say. I have the most awesomest children ever. That's not even a word, but I have the most awesomest kids ever. So I don't regret a thing. Like my daughter is the most amazing person you've ever met like when god created human beings he had her in mind like she's the most sensitive caring sweet empathetic smart beautiful like she's everything my son is like the male 14 year old version of me like he's awesome i really have no hard feelings like i don't regret him i don't regret them i don't regret any of it it's been worth it i love my kids they're they're great and i couldn't have them without him so so yeah. Well, thank you, Melissa, so much. Yeah. Thank you for Alrighty. sharing your story. Thank you for listening. She's dope. Yeah. She's a fun interview. We kiki for 40 minutes yesterday, and then we kiki to do this interview. So, thank you, Melissa, for coming on. I greatly appreciate you for sharing your story with us. I will be back next week. If, in the meantime, you need some ratchet and respectable in your life, Please follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Demetria L. Lucas. You can also follow my blog, DemetriaLLucas.com. If you want to get the new episodes as soon as they're up, you can always subscribe to this podcast. And I think that's everything. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay indoors. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. 
I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.